Hey everyone, welcome back to episode three, sitting here with Andrew Whitman and uh, Doug Brown, of course, and we are happy to be coming to y'all, um, you know, again, it's the end of March 2020, almost April, man, it's crazy, and uh, the world seems to be in a in a very different place than it was just a few weeks ago, so we know a lot of y'all, are, a lot of people out there are looking, searching for meaning in things. Um, searching for answers, and we hope we hope that we can be part of the solution, providing some of those to you. If you're turning, if you find yourself turning, um, you know, to God, and maybe maybe you're someone that hasn't done that before. I mean, that's cool, man. It's, uh, 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 times like these, that, that sort of thing happens. Um, maybe you're someone that hasn't been at church in a while. Maybe you're someone that goes to church and it's not enough. That's great. We, if, if you're seeking answers, we're happy to have you. Um, we spent the last episode talking about the importance of developing an identity and the, the term identity in Christ has been thrown out a lot. That's not really what we're talking about because um, everybody's identity in Christ is the same as you're forgiven, you're a son or a daughter, you're a child of God, right? What we're talking about is, is underst- with that understanding and that knowledge and, that, and the acceptance of that truth is to develop your own personal identity. Um, that you've already been accepted, right? We talked about sin, the nature, the concept of sin. Uh, the definition of sin is a marksmanship term, as Andrew shared, means to literally to miss the mark and not share in the prize. So think of like an archery contest. Um, we talked about the, the evil and defined as um, in the, the Hebrew and in older languages as much deeper adversity, affliction, disease, disaster, great grief, calamity, distress, things like that. Those are all things that are byproducts of settling for less and missing the mark. And feel free to jump in anytime if you want during my, my recap, Andrew, <laughs> if I'm missing the mark. Um, the, the, God's target is prosper us to prosper and be in health, right? It's, it's literally to have the same life that's in heaven right now on earth. That's in, it's in the Lord's Prayer. Everyone, everyone knows we, we, we've walked through that before, too. Um, it, but really, the first step to turning it around is to understand who you are, accept who you are, and if you don't like where you're at in life, you don't like what you become, there's always a chance to turn it around. And so the part of the identity, sta- identity statement is to craft something that aspires, that inspires you to to be what you aspire to become, right? So it may right. not be what you physically are right now, but it could be what you want to what you want to become. We also touched on a big one, and we'll get into this later on. Is the definition of uh, righteousness, you know, and, and on, on this show, words mean things. Uh, <laughs> so we like to define them. And we don't like to define them how we like. We like to define them how, how the Word defines them. And so the word righteousness or righteous in in the Old Testament and really in, throughout the Bible, but especially where it's introduced in the Old Testament, means equity. Yeah. And we talked about what that what that means. So um, we'll get into that more, but it really lists down a, a path of coming from understanding kind of how all the things happen on earth and why and and what it has to do with us and and what our identity is leads us to the next the next topic which is uh the topic of purpose so andrew what are your thoughts on on that yeah there's two things i always ask this i have to ask this these days because not everybody's an old guy like me but uh have you ever seen the wizard of oz the movie Wizard of Oz. Yep. Right. Made in 1939, but it was like one of the first color movies. It was huge when my mom and dad, 
they were like 10 years old when it came out. So we, we've watched it a hundred times. Even my kids, they used to watch it. My, my daughter used to call it the lion show, right? When she was like, I want to watch the lion show. Right, so the Wizard of Oz, right? Dorothy, Tin Man, Scarecrow, and the lion, they all were going where? To the uh, Emerald City. Emerald City. They had a target destination. They were going somewhere. Everyone knew why they were going, that they were going. Each of them had their own purpose of why they were going. Dorothy wanted to get home. Scarecrow wanted a brain. Tin Man wanted a heart. Lion wanted courage. So they start down this path, this yellow brick road. It's twisty. It's turny. Witches are trying to kill them. Flying monkeys are getting them. There's bad weather. There's poppy fields of drugs everywhere. They're just saying they're totally... But they're still on the path because they know where they're going, one, to the Emerald City. They know where they're going. They have a destination. And two, they have a purpose. Almost every person that I deal with in life, they get to me as a client, as a business, as a coaching client. When I was pastoring, it just runs rampant. Humans do not have a target destination. They don't know where they're going in life. And they don't know their purpose or why they're doing it. So they just spend their time on this twisty, turny, yellow brick road, which is trying to kill them, flying monkeys coming out of where, bad weather. And that's why you're stressed out because you don't know why you're even on this path and you definitely don't know where it's going. So it's kind of like if you were taking a family vacation. Have you ever taken a vacation that you didn't know where you were going? Not that I can remember. Since I was old enough to remember, I knew we were going to... Somewhere. Somewhere. Somebody knew where you were going. Right. Yeah. It's just like with the GPS today. Let's put it in today's language. Yeah. You have to put in a destination address before you can get the turn-by-turn directions. If you don't have the address of where you're going, the GPS will not work. Hmm. So if you didn't know you were going to the beach for vacation, how do you know if you're going the right way or not? If you don't know where you're even going, how do, when you get out of the driveway, which way do you turn left or right? Well, I got to turn left to get out of the neighborhood. Okay, now you're at the stop sign. Which way are we going? Because where are we going? And then why are we going there? Mm. So two things is what's your destination? That's where we get the word destiny from, right? Not, not Forrest Gump destiny. What's your destination? Where are you going in life? And your purpose is why are you going there? If you don't have those two things, it's always going to be flying monkeys, bad weather, witches, twisty turny, and you're going to be stressed to the max, and you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, and you're on that rat wheel or the hamster wheel. You're going faster and faster and faster. Life's picking up. But when you step off the wheel, where are you? The same place where you start. You're not, you're not advancing anywhere. Well, no wonder you're stressed out in life. No wonder you're in a panic. No wonder stuff like COVID-19 and the economy shutting down. and all, No wonder you're in a panic because of those things. My destination, my Emerald City, is so big that it would literally, to backfill the turn-by-turn directions, when I put it in my you know, life GPS, it comes back as a 300-year plan. It would literally take me 300 years to get to where my Emerald City is multi-generational. Not that you should count me out. I might still be here. <laughs> <laughs> the way medical technology is going, we could still be around. Right, but it's so big that, listen, it's a 300-year plan. This year, 2020, I'm super excited because I'm finally starting phase two of the plan, which I came up with in 2007. 13 years for phase one just to get out of the starting gate to start 
where I need to go. Phase one was just all the groundwork for 13 years. This year, I'm going to be able to even like to, to launch phase two. Do you think I care? Seriously, am I worried about a bad day, a bad week? I could have an entire bad year. 2020 could be the worst year on record. I have a 300-year plan. I won't even remember it. I could have a bad decade. The entire 20s could be awful because I have a 300-year plan. I'm not stressed out over it. It doesn't even matter. It's a matter of pivoting on my yellow brick road. I'm still going to my destination, and I know why I'm on the road. So it really doesn't matter if witches are trying to kill me or flying monkeys come out of where COVID-19 shows up or they social distance until the end of May. I don't even care. And really what you're talking about here is a, it's obviously, it's, it's a mindset, but it's a matter of perspective built on, on belief, on a belief that you've carefully vetted and tested and probably upgraded over the years. And continue to do so. Right. So it's a work, it's a work, like a living document, work, a living work, document. Work, in, work in progress. Yeah. So let's talk about the purpose as it pertains to, you know, the word and, 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 and what, for example, let's just start. Like, what what's Jesus say about what, what, what look, look his purpose as a, as, as a well? He said, "I came off. to seek and save the lost." Like, that's his purpose. Yeah, and that's what his purpose. Like, so if you look in, well, just look in Hebrews twelve real quick. All right, we're we allowed to do that. Absolutely. Can we look at the Bible in here? We did it once already. So <laughs> we if we got in trouble last time, I'm sorry. We're double dipping. <laughs> Hebrews twelve. In verse 2, it says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It tells you what his target destination, his Emerald City, was to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God in New Jerusalem. That's his Emerald City. He endured all the flying monkeys, the all the witches, and he's on the cross. He goes into he endures all that because he's looking at his target, the joy, how much awesome it's going to be when I get to my Emerald City. He deals with all the junk on the yellow brick road because he's looking at his Emerald City and how great it's going to be when I get there. And it says he despised the shame. The word despise means something's not worthy of my intention. Mm. Like, if I despise doing dishes, I leave them in the sink because it's not worthy of my attention. Cleaning dishes ain't worthy of my attention. I despise them. Not I ain't mad at the dishes. I just don't pay attention to them. He didn't pay attention to the shame. He was focused on what his final destination was, Emerald City, right? Right hand of God. Now, the reason he was on the path was to get us all back. To get us back into the family legally. Mm. To find a way back in after Satan tricked Adam. Right? Remember in the first episode. Took 4,000 years of... like God had a 4,000-year plan. Really, it's a 7,000-year plan. This is the same way that we should be looking at what's our final destination. We're like, not to get to heaven. People, that cracks me up. People be like... I'm just trying to get to heaven. Really? Have you read your Bible? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Where are we going to spend eternity, Doug? I'm guessing we're coming right back here. It is. It's earth. If you read the end of the book, God moves New Jerusalem, planet heaven, or that's where he is right now on planet heaven. He takes the whole city and moves it to earth. At the end of the book, 
get, we're, we're trying to get to heaven and God's trying to get to earth. <laughs> You're going to spend eternity on earth, not in heaven. You'll be in heaven for like literally by your own clock. Like it'll be like 10 minutes. It'll feel like 10 minutes. Mm. Says, Peter said, remember this one thing. If you don't remember anything, remember this. The day is, is a thousand years and a thousand years is the day with the Lord. So my mom passed away two years ago in January. So 2018, in January on the 26th, she, she went into heaven. She checked out of planet Earth, checked into planet heaven. She's been there two years. If we used a thousand years as a day, days is a thousand years, she hasn't even been there for like 30 seconds yet. So even if all of us that we all lived for, even if we lived 300 years, 300 years is a third of a day. By lunchtime, morning tea, I would be up there if I get there and she'll be like, oh, hey, I, I, well, she's only been there like, you know, a third of a day, eight hours maybe. That's how fast 300 years ago by for her. It's like a third of a day, eight hours. So people that have been there since like Jesus went up there 2,000 years ago, that's only two days, 48 hours. It's a weekend. Jesus has been at the right hand of the Father for a weekend. <laughs> Don't be making fun of me in my 300-year plan. It's a, literally a third of a day mm. on his time frame. When you begin to see things from this perspective, mm. you really do not get torn out of the frame or spun up over, oh my gosh, FEMA camps and we can't go to church on Sunday. They're taking away our rights. Right. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> it, uh, seriously, lighten up. You're going to go right back to church as soon as the panic is over and... All that stuff, you'll be back in church. Don't worry about it. FEMA's not taking away, you know, they're not taking away, all, you know, we can't gather. It's our civil rights. Just, no one's actually making you do any of this stuff. We're asking, everyone's asking you to. When you talk about purpose, and you mentioned your, your plan. Yeah, man. And it's multi-generational. It is. It brings up a topic, a theme, and I'd like to see... A, if this is true, and if it is true, let's find examples of it. Is is it true that your purpose is not necessarily about you? It's never about you. So, if let's talk about that because in this day and age, the <laughs> common wisdom is that you know you need to seek and find your purpose to have your own fulfillment. And it's it really it's, it's yeah. How's that working out? It's, it's an inward search. It's, yeah, it's kind of the language that's used in this. Well, it is an inward search, but it's never about you. The, your purpose is never about you. It's always to help others. So maybe maybe our for people who are having a hard time discovering their purpose, maybe we're looking in the wrong spot. Maybe we have the wrong, uh, not wrong, but maybe we have a, a perspective that's a little skewed. If we're thinking just about us versus about the purpose of serving, helping others. Yeah, but no, most people, that's the right, that's the church answer, the right answer, the town hall answer. I just want to help people. Well, what's that mean? Yeah, so, all right. That's just nonsense. Right, so, to find your specific purpose, what are you wired to do? What are you created to do? So, I have people like, they want to know, because other people tell them what, what's a noble purpose or not. Mm. Listen, uh, if, if you know that you're wired and the thing that you're, what what energizes you? What is the thing that I call you know you're like your Oreo cookie? What's the favorite thing in your that always captures your attention? 
that it's never like feeling like work, that it's, oh man, you're just, you were in the zone and everything was like beating and banging. Like uh, my son, Jack, he's a sophomore at the Citadel. They're all home right now because of this nonsense, but he's upstairs and he's got his own command center up in his room. It's all set up. I call it the auxiliary bridge, right? Because it's even like, it's like his workspace is like better than his workspace at his room in the Citadel, right? Because the barracks, that thing was built in 1945, right? So he's, he's digging it. He's like, that's hey, pretty good. He just got a hundred on a paper that was for a naval studies class. It was his research paper. I'm like, dude, you got on? He's like, yeah, man, I was. Do- I didn't even want to stop because I dove into the research. I found out all the specs of the ship. Who were the contractors? How did the, what was the science behind the, because con- he's a construction engineer. How do you build it? And, blah, and he's so into it. He's like, and I didn't even want it to stop. Hmm. In fact, I'm going to keep doing, I'm like, even though he turned the paper and he got 100, he's still diving in. There's no other reason other than he loves it. Right. How does this? How does the building work? How does this, the tensile strength of this? How is the physics of that making the ship? So he and all our kids found out early on what their purpose was. That's why he's in construction engineering mm-hmm. at the Citadel. He's he's built that way. He's wired that way. So then we, once you know what that is, listen, building ships ain't for his fulfillment. Right. Or building buildings or roads or infrastructures or bridges. Who's that for? <laughs> Other people. Yeah, people to, people to be on them. <laughs> Did you see what? The, but it is personal in that you have to find out what your lane is. What is it that you're just so passionate about that it captures your attention and you would do it for free? You would do it even though you already got the hundred on the grade. You keep doing it because it's already pa- it doesn't even matter to you because you just love it. Now you're on the right track of finding your purpose. The interesting thing is people, <laughs> listen, when God created you, you were born with innate talents and abilities, gifts and inclinations. Find out what that is and stoke the flames of that. Most parents, though, right, check my parenting book. Mm-hmm. Most parents tell their kids, you can't do that, and all the reasons why they shouldn't have that dream. And, you know, hey, one, uh, he's 15. The grandparents wanted me to talk to him because he's not doing good in school and all this. He's one of the smartest, most articulate. And I, after I t- talked to him, I'm like, you're, you're 99% ahead of all high schoolers. What? He's about to fail out. I'm like, he knows what his purpose is, and I tried to talk him out of it. Here's how you know it's your purpose. You try to talk him out of it, he wouldn't be talked out of it. He wanted to create video games. And, of course, the grandparents like, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Problem. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, my, my buddy, who was, the, uh, he was a two-star general, one of his gigs was the commanding general of the war fighting lab up in Quantico. The way that they're dictating new tactics in the Marine Corps is they got three 20-year-olds that are contractors, and guess what their job is? Create video games so that we could test all these tactics in the war lab. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so don't discourage anyone 
Just because it's not your bag. That's why I got... <laughs> what I used to be with, like, Nancy and Hillary, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton... They'd be like, well, I just could never do that. Like, right, that's why God didn't pick you to do it, and he picked me to do it, because I'm doing it, and I was doing it great. Thanks. <laughs> it's We're making this way too hard. Well, it's one thing to have younger people, you know, kids, teenagers, and get them started early on life, but um, gosh, I wish there was a place we could look to see maybe some examples of people later in life that that discovered their purpose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's never too late. You should jump right. on it. But most people won't. And here's the, here's the, the we call it the golden handcuffs or whatever. They're not going to take the jump. It's super, super rare to get anybody that's like already into a career, a job. Yeah. Here's an example. I was talking to a guy and he was telling me a secret dream. I always like to hear what somebody's secret dream is. Don't have a school, you know for gifted and talented kids with a great curriculum, like an entrepreneurial thing and all that. I said, man, you, you know, you could just totally do that. And um, he's like, what? I don't have any money. I'm like, you don't even, I said, listen, I used to work for some of the richest people in the world. They're always looking to put their money, but somebody has to have a plan. They want to, they, they, there's money. There's no scarcity of cash, even right now. No scarcity of cash. These people are looking to put their money somewhere into some vision, to something that would help their legacy. They don't want to just waste it. Mm-hmm. They, they took them along. So, because his kid was like a special needs kid. He, they say he had like ADHD, but I don't think that was it. He's like so smart that he was just like sitting in that classroom. Because mm-hmm. he could like, the, the kid was like super smart. I mean, just like ridiculous smart, super talented with music, all this. He was like 10 years old. But the current system was just not getting it for him. So all we have to do is put that plan together, man. I'll help you. I already, you know, I know these people. I can, you know, they, no, well, you know, I've got health insurance I need. And I've got, you know, <laughs> the mortgage payment. And the, that fast you gave up on your purpose and your dream. And not only that, you threw your kid under the bus at the same time. Mm. So you can do it. It's your choice. The longer you go down the path, and I'll use the Bible example. Esau, Jacob and Esau. Do you remember those two guys? I do. Jacob turned out to be Israel, and Esau turned out to be Jordan. They come out of the birth. Esau's the oldest. Jacob is the youngest by like seconds coming out the birth canal. So Esau's going to get, and, and that day and age, man, if you were the first one out, you get the double portion of everything, the inheritance. And listen, Isaac was rich, super rich. Abraham was super rich, and then he gave it all to Isaac, who also built on top of that super rich. And now you got Jacob and Esau, and Esau's going to get double of what, right? So he's getting two-thirds, and Jacob gets one-third. And then also Esau's supposed to be the guy that's the the covenant guy. He's going to get the blessing. Birthright plus the blessing. He comes home. One day, and you know they didn't have like fast food back then. So right. he comes. In, he's like, I've, I've been hunting all day. He's the hunter, and Jacob's the sissy britches. Always stays around, and he does the you know cooks and cleans and all that stuff. He's, he's like the mama's boy. Esau's the hunter, the yeah. manly guy, yeah. the one that dad really likes. Mom likes sissy britches. Jacob, little whiner, <laughs> right? He always wants to do that. Right? So he comes in, and, and Jacob's like cooking. You know, doing if he had a cooking show, he's like, yeah. And Esau's like, I need some food, and Jacob's like. Well, what do you give me for it? He's like, man, I'm so hungry, I would sell my birthright for a bowl of that soup. 
And Jacob said, done. <laughs> Sign right here. And here's your bowl of soup. Esau's, he eats it all up. He's like, oh, that feels so good. Then it hits him that he sold two thirds of his inheritance. He gave that to Jacob for the bowl. Now who's getting all of it? Jacob. Jacob was getting one third. Right. Esau's getting two thirds. For a bowl of soup, Esau gives him the two thirds. Then it says later on, he was like, oh, crap. It said he tried to repent. Right. Even though he's crying, he's bawling, he's squalling, please, I wanted it. There was no way back. He'd already done the deal. The further you go down the track, the harder it is. And repent is just, it just it's a military term, means to the rear march. People are like, oh, you got to repent. To the rear march. Change direction, the opposite direction you're going. In. To the rear march. That's repent. The further you keep going down the track away from where you were supposed to be your purpose, the further you move off your purpose and the further you move down the yellow brick road away from your Emerald City, the harder and longer it'll be for you to get back. And at some point, you're too old in life. It's what we call past the point of no return. Mm. It's a, you're flying like on an airplane. Once you get out so far over the Pacific, like you're going to Australia— you get at some point it's closer to go to Australia here in the middle of the ocean than it is to fly back to California or Hawaii. That's the point of no return. There's no repentance at that point. Right. You're all in, you just gotta keep going. This is what happens in life. The longer you go without discovering your purpose, the the harder it is for you to get back on track. And at some point, it's too late for you. You're past the point of no return. And I know that sounds like it sucks, but guess what? You made those choices. It's your life. I don't judge you, but you made the choices. And you continue to make those choices. And if you look at, I know you were trying to lead me into like some biblical examples. There's really nobody that came late to life for their purpose in the Bible. They all knew at a young age and followed it at a young age. The only one that was old was Noah, and he was like 545 years old, but he like also lived till he was like, you know, seven or 800. Mm. So Noah's like 500 years old. He gets the plan to go build the ark. It takes him 120 years. I don't know what you've been doing for 120 years of weekends. I know you didn't have power tools, but 120 years, I think he took some time off, right? <laughs> Finally got it done. Then the flood happens, and then he lives a, a whole nother life after the flood. After every other person that God tapped other than Abraham, who was old. But again, Abraham, 75, when he was tapped, lived to 175. So he still had 100 years. Mm. Everybody else is young. Joseph, 17. David, 16. Mm. Samuel, 8 years old. Daniel, 13 years old. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 13 years old. Jesus, 12 years old, he knew his purpose and his destination. He's in the temple talking to the scribes, and the Pharisees are like, man, this guy's this kid's wisdom. Mary, 16 years old. Jesus' mom. Don't bypass it. Because your prep time starts. Once you know, you don't even start your preparation until you know what your purpose is. So let's talk about that because you mentioned a few guys here that, that discovered their purpose early, but then many years go by until things actually start to happen. Let's, um, 
You mentioned Joseph. Well, it happened immediately, really. Stuff starts yeah. happening immediately yeah. to prep, but it takes a long time to get to where you're... What actually culminates in the... Yeah, it's just like it's like going to college, man. I yeah. mean, you got to... I'm 52 now. I didn't start out as an expert, right? I've been... People like, even when I was 35 and pastor, people like, how do you know the word? Because I've been in it since I was six. Mm. I could say the books of the Bible. My mom and dad taught it to me before I could say the alphabet. So using like Malcolm Gladwell's whatever, you know, yeah. 10,000 hours or something. Right. Which I, don't, I think 10,000 like productive hours. Now I'm sitting in a garage for 10,000 hours. Don't make you a car. Right. So <laughs> like you need 10,000 rounds on target is what my SEAL buddies tell me. To be a great shooter, yeah. you need 10,000 rounds actually hitting the target. Not the misses. They don't count. The 10,000 that you actually hit count. Yeah. So say uh, 10,000 hours on target of learning the word that some, from the time I'm really the time I'm born Till I'm 35, I've got 35 years of prep time before I ever, you know, really started out pastoring. I, I started preaching at 16, but that's still 16 years of prep time, which is more than most folks that go to seminary. Right, so this is what I'm talking about, the prep time. It's yeah. Prep time is what you do right until you are ready to execute. Right. But you cannot begin until you know your purpose. Noah could not start building the ark until God told him, your purpose is to build the ark. Right. And it wasn't for personal fulfillment. He's saving, right. he's saving eight souls plus all the animals and the ants and the cockroaches and the rats. and the, like, yeah. He could have skipped some of that. But they didn't. But that was his purpose. Joseph had two dreams. He's 17 years old. It was to be in leader. So his, all his brothers and sisters are bound down to him, his little sheaves and all right. So he's thinking his mind, his purpose is to run the family business because Jacob's rich. Remember, Abraham was rich, then Isaac, he built on it, then Jacob, he stole the birthright, got the blessing. He's triple rich, right? And and um, that's what and Joseph gets his dream. He's thinking he's going to run the family empire. Not, I'm going to be the prime minister of the most powerful superpower, you know, Egypt country in the world and run the global economy in the next crisis. Mm. That's not what he, but so his prep started, here's your purpose. And now he began to prep for leadership for running the business. And if you look at his life, it's all about logistics and operations and how do I distribute and get stuff, right? And that's what he did as prime minister. Do you mind taking a minute and, and let's kind of dive into that story? Some folks probably haven't heard it in this context before. It's in Genesis, but just kind of recap. And so say, so he start, he's, how old is he when he gets these dreams? He's 17 years old. So 17. listen, Joseph is like, he's, there's 12 brothers, right? He's number 11. But, He's the firstborn of the favorite wife. So Jacob has four wives. His favorite wife has no kids all these times, and the unfavored ones are like pumping out kids like it's baby factory. So out of all those, the firstborn of the first wife, the one that was actually firstborn, he ain't getting the birthright. Because Joseph is the firstborn of the favorite, even though he's a runt, mm -hmm. he gets remember the Joseph in the coat of many colors. That will he get his dad gives him this coat and lets everybody know that this is the heir, even though he's like twelve years old, mm -hmm. thirteen years old, and he's a spoiled little brat because he's the favored, and the dad's like always protecting him and whatever he wants he gets. You know he's like the the baby in the old age kind of deal, right? Then he has a younger brother, Benjamin, 
and then the favored wife dies in childbirth with Benjamin. So now it makes Joseph even more the favored because the wife died. Now he puts more attention onto Joseph and the younger one, Benjamin. But Benjamin and his dad always kind of looks at him as like, you're the one why I lost my wife. Right. So even though he's a baby, he's not the favored. Joseph is 100% the favored. Doesn't have to work in the fields with the other brothers. And when he goes, he sends, he'll say, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers. So Joseph go out there and then he'll come back and tell. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And then he'll tell them, I'm telling dad, you guys ain't, I, you're supposed to be doing the sheep and you're over here at the bar drinking. I'm telling dad. Right? Oh, oh and by the way, I had a dream and y'all are going to bow down to me. How you like me now? And then he does, hey, guess what? I dreamed another dream and y'all are going to bow down to me. And they had just had it. So they, they gather him up. They beat him up. They take that coat of many colors. They strip it up, kill an animal, a goat, and put blood on it. And then they FedEx it back to dad right. and they put him in a pit. So his dad gets the FedEx package and there's a note in there that says, hey, uh, I think, uh, I don't know. Is this, uh, this looks like it might be Joseph. So, right? so, and then Jacob looks at it and he's like, oh my gosh. Here he goes. He, uh, an animal is killed. A wild beast has killed my favorite son. Now, he doesn't know any of that. He just makes the assumption. Right. But meanwhile, he's back in the pit. And they, they were going to kill him. And they're like, nah, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. We can make some cash on him. So that's what they do. This caravan's coming down to Egypt. They sell him, get some cash. They're rid of him. And there he goes. Now he's a slave. And uh, the caravan stops at this, you know, guys, the guy who's captain of Pharaoh's guard. He's a cabinet minister. He's one of the rich people in Egypt. The wife likes to buy makeup. I know that's a shock. And beauty products. Well, we just happen to have all these beauty products and makeup. So while they're there, they're also going to try and unload this you know, Hebrew slave they picked up, Joseph. He's a good-looking dude. He's pretty smart, blah, blah, blah. You know. um, so they're like, yeah, fine, we'll take him. And he, he starts scrubbing toilets, emptying the trash. He's a slave at this captain of Pharaoh's captain of guard. But what he doesn't do is get a bad attitude and go, well, I had a, God gave me a dream. I'm not scrubbing any toilets, and now I'm in slavery. Look what my family did. He doesn't do any of that. Mm. He scrubs toilets better than anybody scrubs toilets. He empties trash better than anybody empties trash. He scrubs floor. Everything is sparkling. And they look at him, and they go, man, this guy is doing such a great job. I don't even have to like, tell him what to do. In fact, he's looking for other problems to solve. So he scrubs toilets, and he also empties the trash. I didn't even ask him to empty the trash. He didn't be like, well, emptying trash ain't my job. So he's going above and beyond everything. And pretty soon he gets promoted up the chain until he's running the house. He's running the portfolio, the stock portfolio. He's running the commodities. It says Potiphar, who is a captain of the guard pharaohs. He's like head of the secret service, if you will. Doesn't even know what his bank accounts are. He just trusts whatever Joseph does. So after 10 years, Joseph making this guy super rich. He's killing it. People know who he is. He's in authority. He's in a position of, you know, power. He's a young, good-looking dude, and, of course, the wife also notices this. And, you know, she starts hitting on him, and he's afraid to lose it all, so he, like, lets it go. He doesn't put a stop to it. He doesn't tell Potiphar, stop. He's, he just keeps letting it go day by day. So one day he's in the house alone with her, and she says, you know, sleep with me, big boy. And he said, I can't do this thing. So he goes to leave, and she grabs his coat and then screams rape. Oh, wow. So... uh. Potiphar's like, he's stuck, man. He loves Joseph, but his wife in front of everybody said, this guy's raped me. So the trial was, here's the DNA evidence. The DNA was, I got his coat. That was it. That was CSI back then. Right. Right. They didn't, there wasn't any, you know. So he's like, well, that's it. And he throw him into jail. So now he goes from like 
slavery, works his way up 10 years. He's running one of the most powerful households in the country. He's super powerful. And let me tell you this. When you're being a slave for the director of the Secret Service, if you will, captain of the guard, being that slave, he's more powerful than the guy next door who's free. That's an interesting point because we, we have a certain um, understanding of slavery in this country based on our country's history. Right. Wasn't, what you're saying is it wasn't, wasn't that way in these times. No, because right? he started out like that. Like yeah. it was like a, but then he ends up super powerful even though because uh, he's running all the books. He's running the money. He's the one writing the checks. He's the one that says let's go. And of course in that power position he's the alpha male and the wife's attracted to him. Because he's more the alpha than Potiphar's the alpha. Right. So he, you know, Potiphar's loyalty lasted till 5 o'clock when he got home from work, and the wife told him all that, so then he sends him to jail. So now, now, now he's in prison. Well, what happens in prison is, you know, he starts doing what he did when he ended up in slavery. He starts scrubbing the toilets and cleaning the floors, and the next thing you know, the, the warden's like, man, you're running this place better than I could. You're in charge. And he's just faithfully doing that with a good attitude. He's in prison. He's not mad. He's not bitter. He's not, you know, complaining. He's not moaning. He's not whining. God, you gave me a dream. My brothers threw him in here. And now this little wolf, the wife of, you know, the guy I was serving. And I was doing a really good job for him, making him rich. And she accused me falsely. And now I'm in jail. And right. So, and then what happens is Pharaoh, the leader of the free world, or not so free, whatever. He's the leader of the world. He would be like the president of the United States today. He sends his butler and his baker. To prison because he he catches them doing something wrong. So, guess who brings them down to the jail? Potiphar, because remember Potiphar's he's the captain of Pharaoh's guard. He gets the the warden to give him into Joseph's care. Wait, what? Yeah, because Potiphar knows he knows. Listen, Potiphar knows what's going on, but you can't go against the wife, right? But he knows Joseph his character. He made me rich. He puts him in the jail. And then when it's, he's got a, he's like, look, this guy's always taking care of me. When my life is on the line with these, the baker and the butler, which mm-hmm. is two cabinet members, he put, he has the warden put them in Joseph's care. Interesting. And Joseph doesn't be like, no, you threw me in prison. He's like, got it. Yeah. He doesn't hold a grudge against Potiphar. He don't say, he's like, well, I'll show you now. There's no revenge. He's like, roger that. I'll take care of him. And he does. couple years goes by and the butler who makes it out of prison right is back serving pharaoh pharaoh comes up against a problem and he remembers joseph could say he's like hey man i know a guy he's in jail but i did because they tried everybody else they tried all the wise men all the professors right everybody at the cdc the fda right all the everybody every exam you know all the experts that now we, we got nothing we can't solve this problem because hey I, I might know a guy and so they pulled Joseph, so he's in jail, doing his thing, he's in prison for three years. All of a sudden, hey, you have a meeting with Pharaoh. Shave, shower, and put this clothes on, and now you're in front of Pharaoh. That fast. And now it's execution time. He gets his purpose. So now he's 30 years old when this happens. 17 years old, he gets the dream. He understands his purpose is to be in leadership. 13 years. He spends 10 years in slavery, three years in prison, Right? And he's running the jail. He's running Potiphar's house. He knows logistics. He knows management. He knows distribution. He knows how to make money. And now Pharaoh has this problem. There's this famine in the land. 
And Joe's like, yeah, it's going to be seven years of good, then seven years of bad. What you need to do is collect up all the good, save 20% of it. We'll put it in grain silos. And then, you know, during the seven years of bad, what we'll do is we'll sell it to people when they come in and then we'll take care and you'll get through this entire crisis. See, we're worrying about like a couple weeks crisis. This was a 14-year yeah. crisis, right? So Pharaoh's like, all right, you're in charge. Um, and by the way, you're the prime minister. You're number two. Here's my ring. Here's my chariot. So he's flying around in Air Force One. He's got the presidential seal on his hand. And he's there's nobody that could tell him anything other than Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's signed this to him. You know, a lot of people are mad because today, this morning, you were a prisoner. And now you're my boss. All those people that, all the CDC, all the cabinet members, everybody that was in Pharaoh's court, all the scientists, all the military guys. Now you got to take orders from this guy who was in prison five minutes ago. You don't think Joseph's under pressure? Because you screw this up, you know all of them are going to be like, hey, man, it wasn't my fault. And none of them are working with you. Right. They all hate you. Yeah, it's one thing if you're, like, brought in from a maybe a competing, you know, company administration, in this case, country. Yeah. You were literally fish out of jail. Yeah. You were scrubbing toilets and... And, and your great resume oh. is you were a slave before that. Oh, and you were a convicted rapist. So there's right, that. no convicted rapist. Plus you were a slave. <laughs> oh, and before that, the way you became a slave is your own family disowned you and threw you in a right. pit and sold you. Yeah, not exactly a great Wikipedia page from a man. No, but you know, right. So, but so he's working through this. Third, but he keeps his attitude right. He's right. always solving every problem that's in front of him. He's looking for any problems that he can solve that aren't just in front of him. He's not just saying it's not my job. He's not bitter, right? He is a walking solution to every problem that he comes across. Now, guess what? At the end of his life, he says, because his brothers are apologizing, it's at his dad's funeral. It's not even the end of his life, but it's at his dad's funeral, the end of his dad's life. The brothers are apologizing. Well, they came down, right? And there's a whole story. Yeah, there's a whole other story about that. Yeah. He actually saved their butts, and they did bow down to him, and you know, and he was in all of his splendor during, and glory during the famine. During the was, famine, it was right. many years into the famine. Uh, but at the end of the dad's life, they're like, "Hey, we're sorry," and you know, he's the prime minister, and they're like living off of him. You know, yeah. trust fund babies. They're all living off of him for the past, you know, fifteen years or twenty years, and they're like, "Hey, man, we're sorry we threw you in that pit thing." He's like, "Listen, I don't remember that." So what I can tell you though is what was meant for evil. What you meant for evil, God folded back for good. What you meant for evil against me, God turned it around for good. See, and that's the attitude of somebody who understands their purpose and their destination. Like is why I said, whatever's meant for evil, you stay on your path and you fulfill your purpose. Whatever was meant for evil will get folded back for good. Now, I know we hear that. All things work together for them, you know, for good, for them that love God. But they leave off the other part, which says daily covering his purpose. Mm. If you look at that scripture, all things work together for good for those who love God and are daily covering their purpose. If you're not daily covering your purpose, everything doesn't work out for your good. Joseph was daily covering his purpose from the time that he was in the pit all the way through, and it worked, it got folded back for good. If, you're not, if you don't know your purpose and you're not daily attending to it, then things do not work out for your good. And then we're back on the evil list, adversity, affliction, calamity, great grief, harm, heaviness, mm -hmm. right? And so when someone is spun up, Doug, and all emotional about what's going on on the planet today, I know they're not covering their purpose. Because the people that are covering their purpose, 
They know what it is. They know where they're going. They know what they're doing, right? And they're focused on covering their purpose. They don't get emotionally spun up, wound up, torn out of the frame, or even, uh, you know, they don't even get worried about what's going on because we don't have time for that because I'm covering and attending to my purpose. And in fact, you've done me a long time, dude. Mm, a little bit. I'm a warrior. Right. Like I'm harsh, people could say, intense. Right. Right. Nobody likes a warrior till the enemy's at the gate. And I'm going to make a statement that sounds really awful. But when bad things happen, that's when I get happy because I know that's when my purpose is most fulfilled. People don't need me until it hits the fan. They tolerate me. But when Christ, oh, crap, you know, oh, God, help me. Man, that's, that's when people turn to me. But during good times, they don't want to waste their time with me because all I am is like a mirror or a spotlight on where they're not covering their purpose. So then we all come. This is where everyone turns back to God because it's a bad time. God ain't doing it to you. Hmm. It's because you're turning back because now you're scared. You're like, oh, crap, I'm out here. right? But this is the people that are covering their purpose. When it turns bad, that's when they're happiest because their purpose is being because it's to help other people. And if there's no crisis, you don't, who do you need to help? If nobody needs help, then you don't, I'll say it like this. If you don't have a big problem, then I can't give you my big solution. Right. The bigger the problem is, the better it is for me because I can offer you a bigger solution. If you don't value, the problem that you have is not so valuable to you that you need my valuable solution, you don't need me. And all those that have a purpose, know that when crisis hits is when their purpose, and, and you could look at it, it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not believer, people that know what their purpose is, they're totally at peace. When this, It's the people that are losing their minds that they're not covering their purpose and they haven't been. And now the paycheck is due. So the good news is we're in the middle of this crisis. Redeem the time. You got time. There's, you're not doing it. The whole planet is shut down right now. The entire planet. Right now, you should take advantage of this time to go redeem that time that you have and get back on track. Find your purpose and start attending to it and get yourself back on track right now. Instead of wasting your time looking at toilet paper memes and complaining about how prom got canceled. Listen, my son's a senior at the Citadel. This was his time. Right. My oldest son, Drew. He was the battalion honor rep. He was a major. He had rank, sword bearing. Got, I mean, this is his time. The last couple, this last five weeks uh, of your senior year is nothing but fun for them, and they earned it. Gone. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it's awful. Take a day to process it. Go through all the emotions. Hate it. Be angry. Blah, blah, blah. And then now, hey, bud, guess what? You guys are going to be the class because the graduation's canceled. It's online. They're not even going to walk across the stage. You're the class. 50 years from now, when everybody's back and you're, they're celebrating your class, it's going to be the class that didn't get the graduation. You're now not just like everybody else. Hmm. Your class is that special class. That never walked. That didn't walk. Right. And for all of history, you'll be the class that didn't walk. Not just like everybody else that did. Yeah. And 
now he's back to work. You know, you got to still have to finish. We got to do all our academics to graduate, and he's fulfilling his purpose. He's not out because he's focusing on finishing. And this is what I'm talking about. Not emotionally spun up. You can have the emotion. I'm not telling you not to be emotional about it. Like, if confronted, yes, be angry. But in our house, we have this rule. You can tell the problem one time. We call that an honest assessment, objective reality. This is what it is. Now, after you tell it one time, what better be coming out of your mouth is solutions to the problem because otherwise it's just complaining. And rehashing, prom got canceled, prom got canceled, there's no toilet paper, there's no toilet paper, the sky's falling, the markets are down. You just keep rehashing those things. There's no solutions being offered and you're stuck in the mire. You got to change your focus and start coming up with solutions instead of just rehashing the problem. That's uh, powerful stuff. There's a lot packed in there. Let me take a second just to kind of unpack a little bit of it. Yeah. All right. So here, while you're telling the story of Joseph, I kind of broke this down into three into three steps. First is finding your purpose. You know, the earlier in life you do, the better. But it may be, if you're older, it may be rediscovering, maybe remembering, maybe you knew a long time ago. Right. And, and the cares and the riches of this world choked it out, right? Right. Get back on track, man. So that's number one. Number two is it's not just going to happen just prep time. You mentioned 10,000 rounds, not just in the air on target. So just because, oh, I know my purpose, that does not mean I'm ready to walk into the United Nations and solve all the world's problems, <laughs> right? right? So I'm, I'm thinking in, in this prep time, and I'm looking at Joseph, right? First, there's going to be steps along the way. There's no fast track. Even if there was, you wouldn't want to take it because you wouldn't right. be prepared. You're not. You're going to be in over your head. Absolutely. So, so embrace, the, embrace em, the steps. Right. Embrace the process, as we say. Exactly. It, it, be your best at every step. Regardless of whether you're running... No, I just got to say, this sounds like Alabama football to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I mean... Did the process be your best every time? It's like, it's like Nick Saban <laughs> is running the Bible playbook over there. I don't know. I'm not touching that. <laughs> I know. Roll time. <laughs> so be your best at every step. Whether you're in the captain of the guard's house running his life, or you're in jail... Scrubbing the... Wrongfully accused. Wrongfully accused. In jail scrubbing the toilets and doing all that, right? And, and not just like once, but consistently, day after day after day, is, is to... For years. For ye- not knowing when the end's going to come. No. It's not like you're, hey, I'm going to do this for... This isn't like a work-study program. Right. It's not an internship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have two more semesters of this jail that, thing. I don't want that internship if yeah, it is. right. Um, and, and so if, without complaining, and we could spend a whole show... Maybe we will on... on on the, the yeah, I'll talk complaints. about the physicality right. of complaining. What happens yeah. to you biologically we need when a, you complain? We, we need a whole hour for that yeah. <laughs> by itself. But not complaining. And then the other thing is not looking for revenge. I mean, my gosh, like Potiphar shows up with his dude, the baker and the and the, the cup well, bearer. Yeah. And he's like, uh, hey, I need a favor, man. I need to watch these two guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, because yeah, if they no, get I'm shanked in prison, it's Potiphar's head, man. <laughs> right. Like literally. Right. Or if they get dropped the soap. You know, Pharaoh, it's Potiphar's. Pharaoh might want him back at some point. He does. They were just holding yeah. them there for right. while they were figuring out what to do with them. It's yeah. like pre-trial confinement. Right. So 
Yeah, we don't want a uh, Jeffrey Epstein episode happening. Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Make sure the cameras are working. Yes, and, all that, and right? the guards actually making yeah. it right. So that's why he gave him into Joseph's hand because that yeah. stuff actually did happen yeah, back then makes too. Sense. Still happening today, Absolutely. obviously. Right. Yeah. So uh, instead of looking for revenge, just be faithful and diligent. You can't be one without the other. You got to be diligent, diligently faithful, maybe, just to keep doing what you know how to yeah, do. Yeah, right? they go Working hand in your hand. Man. I mean, they... Yeah. Um, next is is you never know an opportunity is going to arise. So when it does, step up. And you got to be ready. And be ready. You can't be scared and draw back and like, right. all right, you're going to fair. Hey, Pharaoh wants to see you. Oh man, I can't. I got to, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm handing out like I'm doing laundry today. I'm making right. license plates today. I got to do, yeah. you know. Step up with boldness yeah. and recognize the opportunities. And it may not look like a, I mean, it may look like, hey, Pharaoh wants to see you, or it may look like, hey, I need you to take care of this thing over here. Like, right, it like could be. I need you to take care of these two guys I just brought in. Correct, which was the opportunity. <laughs> it just looked, it yeah. was a slow burn. It took two right. more years. Right. That was the opportunity. And then two years goes by and nothing. Yeah. And then you're in front of Pharaoh. So the next is when you do get that, that opportunity is to execute without wilting. Right. Yeah. Don't draw back. Don't man. draw back. Mm-mm. Don't be in fear. Step up. Take the opportunity. And then, if if there if there was harm done along the way, is to have that belief that it's going to be turned over for good as long as you cover your purpose and you stay on path. Yeah. So that's the key right there. Yeah. So maybe we should maybe, let's reverse that. As long as you stay on path, the order. I mean, as yeah. long as you stay on track. As long as you're still cover covering your, your purpose. purpose. Right. Then everything evil. gets turned for good. Right. Everything. Yeah. The order of that's very important. <laughs> it is. Um, and then, uh, so that, that's kind of all number two. Then number three is really is, is, is to be looking for problems to solve. Looking looking for, that kind of goes into the whole execution thing. Is you got prep time, you get execution. But to be looking for those things. And I'll tell you, those problems that you're looking to solve are those 10,000 rounds on target. Those are your, like, so with my daughter in lacrosse, like there's nothing yeah. better than live reps. Getting game time. Right. You could practice all day long. But where she really makes her, that's why she plays club and she travels. So she gets like three or four. They go to these tournaments. They play five games in like two days. That's where, and because she wants to go to a certain level. And you automatically move up to the next level as you begin to master the live reps at this level. So solving problems, whatever they are, helps you to solve problems at Mm -hmm. a higher level. Live reps. Right. That's what that is. Right. Yeah. When it's real, there's consequences. Yeah. It matters. The results matter. It's not matter. theory, right? right? It's not academics. Yeah. It's like you're actually out. This is where yeah. the 10,000 rounds, like, so it's just like a firefights happen, right? In combat, right? So, so you get these, you know, the more you do it, the better you are at it. Cause you see, it's like uh, Peyton Manning and all these quarterbacks, the game slows down. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're solving, whatever your field is, it could be if you're in business, right? It could be that. If you're, you know, marriage counselor, I don't know, whatever, whatever you're, the game will slow the more live reps you have at solving those problems the game slows down and you'll get better at it as it, as you go up the level right so by the time joseph got to running the country it's just what he did hmm. it's be, not even a be, big leap it'd be like the same process as running the jail or running the house Correct. It's right. the exact it's the same, same process. Thing. So he's not scared about it, right? So yeah. that's what I'm looking at. Like um, my daughter, Michaela, with lacrosse, when she was in fourth grade, now she's in 10th grade. I can totally just see her. She wants to play for Duke. I can see her playing at Duke. Like every level, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, was, and when she was in fourth grade, the, the jump was massive. Now she's in 10th grade. The jump isn't even that massive anymore. I could see her. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I don't have to try and imagine it. 
I could see her doing it now, mm-hmm. right? And it's just a natural progression because she's getting better. And I don't, it's not like she went to bed one night and the next day, fa- there's not a fast track again, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth grade, she starts. Tenth grade, now she's, you know, on the track. As long as she's still covering that purpose, she'll hit her target. Yeah. Um, the other thing you mentioned, especially nowadays and what we're dealing with, is redeeming the time. And and yeah, there's a lot of things we can't control, but the people that make the best and the most of their time will be set up, right? We've seen that play out. Right, I can't control anything external to me. All I can mm-hmm. control is my own responses. What I do with my time, how I invest it or waste it, spend it mm-hmm. or invest it, if you will, dictates my results. Mm-hmm. And time's the great equalizer. Everybody has the same exact amount on planet Earth. We have 24 hours every day. Mm-hmm. And now... Because of what's going on in the world, they've just stripped away every one of your excuses of why you're not working out, why you're not eating right, why you're not finishing that master's degree, why you're not learning that language, why you're not, why you're not, why you're not. All those excuses are stripped away. And now you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, "What I've been given this gift of time, should I I redeem it? What am I doing with it? Right. Or you can do, you know, Facebook memes about how we're out of toilet paper and have your blood boil because yeah. you can't go to the bar and the restaurant for another 30 days. There's one thing I wanted to wrap up on, and I don't know off the top of my head the scripture I read it the other day. I think it was in Mark where Jesus talks about those who follow me should take up their cross daily. It sounds a lot like cover, cover Daily purpose. cover the purpose, right. Same thing, yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on, on, on kind of perspective of that or what you just do it like this is but see in this i don't want to make it too complicated but it's not complicated like <laughs> this is what people are like well you know i need to get back in the gym or i need to start eating right. i need to lose 20 pounds which means you need to lose 50 probably <laughs> i just can't get off the couch it's because your purpose isn't big enough hmm. if you're bored people are like i'm bored it's because your purpose ain't big enough if you're like listen i have a 300 year plan I fully intend on being here for that 300-year plan and playing and being strong with my great-great-great-grandkids because that's my purpose and it's big enough. You don't have to convince me to work out. In fact, I have to, I, today I'm, not going, I'm still going to go for a walk, but I've worked out eight days straight because I'm like, oh, I went eight days. I should only go six. But because it's what my habit is and, you know, the way that we can't even tell what day a week it is anymore, right? I was like, oh, my gosh. I look back on my thing. I'm like, I did eight days. I need to take – I'm forcing myself to take a day off. And, of course, I'm still going to go for a three-mile walk just for – right? Because my purpose is so big, you couldn't tell – the same thing. Like, I, I, I don't eat a bunch of crap mm. and put junk in my body because my purpose is I want to be strong and healthy. There's a verse in the Bible where it says Noah was 100 – or no, Moses was 120 years old and his ears weren't dim. You know, his eyes weren't dim. His natural life force hadn't abated at 120. Well, if it, God doesn't respect our persons, so I'm going to go with the Moses plan. <laughs> Fully functional, battle ready at 120. Mm. And I'm still planning on going past there. Abraham went to 175, and he, he was like the original Strom Thurmond. <laughs> he got married and had six more kids when he was 150. But so, I mean... Rock and roll. Jo- uh, Joshua was 110 mm. when he died, and he was 80 when they started taking over the inheritance, going into Jericho. Caleb was 85, went out and take them out, right? So you could, 
my purpose is such that now my behavior matches up to it. Mm-hmm. I daily cover it. It's not that hard. You can daily cover your purpose when you know what it is. And if you don't, that's on you, man. Your purpose ain't big enough. I, I See, listen, all three of my kids, 22, 19, 16, we've trained them to understand. They, they all know what their purpose is. They all have their 150-year, 200-year plans written out. I never have to tell them, did you, I don't, did you do your homework? I never tell them, go practice. Never tell Michaela, go practice lacrosse. Never tell Drew, study, you know, because he's doing acquisitions for us. Go study on how to do it. I never tell Jack, go. Right. I don't tell them to do any of that. They have their own target because I taught them their purpose. Their purpose is big enough. Their Emerald City is in their mind. It's clear. And they all do their work and they love it. Even the stuff they don't like to do, they do it because they want to get to the part where they love. Hmm. And they learn to like the part they didn't like. Mm-hmm because they like the result that they get from doing it. And they're on autopilot fulfilling their purpose, daily covering it. I don't have to nag them. Right. I don't ask them. They manage their own stuff. I never even ask them, do you have homework? Like, this is the greatest thing for me. Like, your kids are little, so you're still having to teach them at school. My school, they're all up in their rooms. They get their assignments. They do them. I don't even ask. But I told them, hey, listen, man, when they were in sixth grade, I'm like, you know, don't even care if you did your homework. They're like, you don't? I'm like, no, I already passed sixth grade. It's your, it's your career, not mine. It's your future. I already passed seventh grade. I don't care if you did your seventh grade homework or not. If you need help, I'll help you, but I'm not going to ask you, did you? I already did mine. I'm not living seventh grade again. Mm. I'm not living tenth grade again. I'm not trying to. I already got my college degree. Did you finish your term paper? I don't care if you did or not. It's your future, not mine. I love you no matter what. See, this is, this is the picture of God with us. I love you. You can have a great life or not have a great life. Right. He's not going to nag us to do the... See, that's our... People, the parenting, the nag, 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 the opposite happens. The more you nag, the less the human wants to do it. Because mm. it ain't their purpose, it's your purpose. Right. Well, what, did, what did he say? He, he told the children of Israel, uh, so for you blessing and cursing? Life and life death. And death so hey, here's a hint. Pick life. It's better. <laughs> but I'm not going to make you. Right. Yeah, man. So I, that's a, it's, it's a lot. But if you're listening to these episodes, I guarantee if you're that. So here's a thing in neuroscience called neurocoupling. I'm making your brain fire off in the pattern because I'm leading this, right? And you're leading this. Our brains are firing mm-hmm. off and we're making everybody who's listening fire off in that pattern, which means that you probably haven't been sitting in fear for the last hour you've been listening to us talk. Right. You probably weren't even thinking about your 401k. You probably weren't worried about because you pointed your mind in a completely different direction. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, I think that about sums it up. We got a lot more to talk about uh, next time. There's a whole lot in here we can still unpack. Um, If you have questions, reach out to either one of us individually. Um, And... uh, if you have, um, again, any anything that's getting in the way, stumbling blocks, challenges from from making sense of what we're talking about, it may be brand new material for some folks. It may be review for others. But you know, we're we're here to 
take it a step further offline, of course. So uh, let us know. And uh, we will look forward to episode four coming up shortly. So with that, we're signing off for Doug and Andrew. Again, uh, remember, God's good all the time, even when we're not looking. See you.